Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hi, uh, today on the Irish Tech News podcast, uh, we have someone who I, I've enjoyed following what he writes about, what he does, uh, his thoughts. He's definitely an interesting person to uh, have on the show and have a chat with us. So first of all, who do we have the pleasure of talking to today? Simon, my name's Andy O'Donoghue, and it's a pleasure to join you today. Thank you. And for those who don't know what you do, and obviously you you, you have a few plates spinning, how would you describe yeah. to people yeah, uh, who you are and what you do? Well, I've worked in the technology business all of my life. Uh, I think when I was 21, I went to work for Apple and I spent uh, about a decade writing software for them. And um, over the last uh, five or six years, I, I, I now work predominantly in med tech. I work with a couple of med tech startups at the minute. Last year, um, I sold a company called KM Medical to Clan William Health. Uh, we made software for doctors and consultants and for hospitals. So medtech has become part of my life. But in my spare time, and I don't have a lot, but in my spare time, I write the technology column for the Irish Mail on Sunday. I join Matt Cooper for um, Tech Tuesday and uh, every week. And I've just um, made a new podcast or in the middle of making a new podcast for RTE called Future Now, Future Next. Mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, yeah, I think that's a nice summary of, of the range of things you do. Um, I guess for, for the podcast, uh, what, what kind of issues are you looking to uh, discuss and uh, engage with? Um, well, you know, what, we, what we've done on the uh, what we've done with Future Now, Future Next is it's a really interesting sort of premise for me. Because um, a couple of years ago, I made a uh, made a TV show called The Gadget Buzz, and it was very focused. We made two series of it for for TV Three or Virgin Media. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, I believe I, I believe I remember you came out and photographed the set of our very first episode, if you recall. Yes, and... uh, we we brought the kids, and the kids That's loved. Right. They love the magic of TV, that what you saw on TV was amazing. And yet you filmed it in a very interesting place. <laughs> well, it wasn't it wasn't the most salubrious studio. And um, there was a little bit of damp on the walls. And in fact, I remember the final episode, which had a real Christmas feel to it, was recorded on a day so cold that um, we could start to see the breath emerging from the mouths of our presenters. And so we had somebody had to go out and get a heater to heat what I will loosely call our studio so that uh, so that their breath wasn't visible. But. Um, with that show, it was very consumer electronics focused and uh, it was fun to make. I really enjoyed it. In fact, TV3 re-ran um, um, Series 2 recently. So it's just been on. It's actually still on the TV3, or the, sorry, the Virgin Media player. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we did in that show, because it was so consumer focused, um, I'm really interested in the future of technology, as, as, as you are and so many of your listeners will be. But what we decided to do with Future Now, Future Next was to take it episode by episode. And so what we've done is we've looked at the future of cities and the future of homes and the future of energy and of healthcare. And let's say in the uh, in, in the first episode, which is about cities. And so in there, we've got 
um, Jamie Cudden from Dublin City Council and mm -hmm. Paul Hogan from the ESV and Ali Sheridan, uh, the climate advisor. And what we've asked those people is like, what do you, th you know, looking at the last 12 months and the impact of, that the pandemic has had, how has it changed our cities? And their views um, are A, really interesting, but also, um, you know, we discover what people are doing um, in, in regards to, I mean, the work of, uh, of the ESB and Dublin City Council, particularly in relation to um, the electrification of vehicles and, you know, what we're going to do there and mobility and, and you know, electric uh, bikes and scooters. So that's what we've tried to do across every episode. And it's really, I have to say, it's been a joy to make. It's been a joy um, uh, meeting the guests that we've had on and uh, we, the Holmes episode is out this week and we've got Hugh Wallace, the architect on that. And so what it's lovely to do is, I suppose, a podcast like that, in a way, for me as the host, it's a little bit of a luxury because you get to look not just five years ahead, but maybe 10, 20, 30, 50 years ahead. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah, look, definitely, isn't it? I mean, it's that thing where you... Uh, extrapolate out back into cool and exciting what if things so I guess w w with the benefit of the of those kind of conversations um, you know do you feel do you okay so we climate change is a big issue big challenge uh, there's some very interesting technological solutions so so do you feel that that tech can save the planet like where are we between those two competing uh, forces I think that's a that's a great question and also I think it's a really difficult one to answer um, I think uh, I think technology can do so much for us, and we, you know, I mean, we we benefit every day from the impact of technology, from the smartphone in our pocket and the convenience that that brings, to you know how we heat our homes. But I also think there's an interesting thing about technology in here that say. Um, you and I have chatted about cryptocurrency over the years, and you look you look at the environmental cost of mining Bitcoin. And I think I think it was TechCrunch did a story about um, the uh, Cambridge University's tracker that indicates that you know um, the impact of uh, Bitcoin mining is roughly the same as a small emerging economy. So you hear things like that, and you think, well, that's terrifying. Um, but then what's technology doing to save the planet? I think right now we are at a really interesting time from uh, from the perspective of, um, you know, environmental awareness. And <clears throat> I think the changes that we see that are coming, the real changes to our lives that you and I will see soon. Um, you know, electric vehicles are here, but there will be more of them. Um, you know, the way that we heat our homes and um, the smart metering, uh, heat pumps, all of that um, is incredibly important. And that, they are very big, grand ideas, um, you know, that have emerged from um, uh, uh, directives from the EU and global consciousness and the Paris uh, Accord. That's fine. Policy, though, then begins to trickle down to us. And we see things like, you know, um, the BER rating on houses, which for many people, I think when they were introduced became were, were irksome because, oh, I have to get the guy in to do the BER rating. Mm -hmm. But then what happens, of course, is there's a grant to uh, make your home more environmentally uh, or more effective uh, from an environmental perspective. Um, it loses less heat. It becomes cheaper to uh, to power over the year. So you have this kind of capital loading up front. You need to make some changes to your house, but with grants and everything, it becomes more um, easier to do. And then the long-term benefit is that it's easier and healthier to live in. 
So can technology save us? Well, um, I think it can, but we also have to be careful in so many ways of the challenges and disruption for negative that technology brings. Yeah, so perfect, right. So in relation to that and with smart cities and homes, uh, with a few people we've spoken to, uh, this is both very exciting, can do very interesting things, and also has the capacity to be used for surveillance, uh, less privacy and in controlling ways. So so how, how, how do we walk forward into a future where on one hand, uh, Internet of Things and sensors provides us with many possible benefits, and yet at the same time, smart cities uh, in 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 a totalitarian society uh, might not be something that we really relish. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think any of us relish that prospect. But I, I suppose the the you know we have to be very aware of privacy, and we've seen the impact um, that mass adoption of everything from social media to, um, you know, um, a mapping app can contribute potentially to exposing your privacy. Now, then, of course, we also have to balance that with, well, what do I get for free that I don't have to pay for and how do tech companies get paid for that? You know, and then advertising um, becomes a part of everyday life. I think, though, from a uh, from a surveillance perspective, uh, it is certainly important to consider that the long-term um, deployment of technology, there has to be um, a, both, both laws and also an awareness of the public. And I think we also have to be responsible ourselves and have consideration about how much we're willing to share. Some people, and look, it's a hackneyed phrase, some people overshare. But uh, if, if all of the data related to my everyday life was available to advertisers, um, would it be useful for them? It would. Would it be damaging to me? Probably not so much. But there are occasions and there are people um, who may seek to exploit that at times. We do have to be careful about that. I don't think we're going to get to, you know, that won't drive us to some, you know, dystopian uh, city of the future. I think what's more likely to happen is we'll see a slow adoption. And I do think we'll learn as we go. I mean, Ireland is one of those countries where the legislation is always catching up. Mm -hmm. um, in, in Europe, um, we have GDPR, um, which helps a lot. But at the same time, disruptive technologies are never foreseen by the people who draft legislation. They always have to be accounted for afterwards. So I do think that's a consideration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's quite nuanced, isn't it? And um, it's that thing uh, in many situations, uh, if the convenience outweighs the trade offs, then lots of people uh, like like what's being served up to some degree most of the time. So, yeah, you know, it's the, uh, it, we're not going to roll it back completely. It will more be, uh, you know, I guess it's a bit like DuckDuckGo, but you can manage your degree of exposure. And then, yes, most of the time it's probably not too damaging and uh, you know it's it's yeah it's a complex one to navigate um to, to so to go big picture uh, at the other end uh with 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 say uh, ray kurtzfile and his discussion of the singularity uh you know and or terminator and skynet uh, mm -hmm. and therefore you know people like elon musk and bill gates concerns about the uh, rapid progress of ai uh do, do you do you feel that um his Kurzweil's predictions for singularity are, are still accurate or was he over over optimistic and equally uh you know will ai soon become our masters and exterminate us all where where are you on that uh sliding scale 
I think AI is probably the single most um, disruptive technology of the next 50 years. I think um, the potential is incredible um, for everything from um, the automation of repetitive tasks, um, the, which can include both um, uh, manual labor and semi-skilled and skilled labor. Uh, then you have to look at the parallel um, displacement of labor that goes along with that. And why will that occur? Well, for convenience and profitability, probably. Um, I think, though, I, I interviewed Max Tegmark from MIT when he wrote his book, Life 3.0. A couple of years ago, I interviewed him at the Web Summit. And it, uh, his book is a really interesting read. Um, and, and it's very accessible. And he looks at so many scenarios that AI can impact. And um, I think, you know, the, the, he points out, he makes a couple of really interesting points in that book. And one of them is about, you know, the impact of uh, AI on democracy, say. And as AI gets better, it begins to learn how to push our emotional buttons. And say for a voting public, that's a really, really interesting question or um, picture to paint because it means that we could be manipulated um, by somebody who has the power and ability uh, to deploy AI to effectively canvas for them. That's, mm -hmm. a, very, that's a very powerful uh, outcome. On the other hand, um, I interviewed for Future Now, Future Next, Blohin Moriarty, who's a uh, consultant dermatologist at St. Vincent's uh, hospital and she talked to me about how AI is being used to recognize melanoma and so you think my god that, that's just incredible imagine the impact that that has on hospital waiting lists if your GP can photograph your skin and have it examined by uh, by AI so those two uh, scenarios are you know um the <laughs> One is a positive outcome. One one does not have a positive outcome. Um, you know, the, the Skynet uh, world of the future, I think, is probably over-dramatized. I think that AI um, will be far more, uh, I think it will be far more discreet in its disruption. Yeah, look, I guess it's that thing, isn't it? You know, like just because we have a really smart AI that's the best Go player in the world, you know, it doesn't mean that it can, you know, do other things nearly as well. It can't make a cup of tea or recognize cats well, you know, so that, you know, yeah. there is that difference between a very specialized AI and general AI. And, you know, I guess it's it's the nature of storytellers and science fiction writers to 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 extrapolate out what could be possible, but then the gap could be 10 years or it could be 100 years. So, yeah, it's... It's a funny one. Um, <clears throat> so uh, you, you mentioned briefly about uh, cryptocurrencies, and there's been a lot of you know noise about uh, non-fungible tokens. Um, do you think, in general, we're reaching a point where cryptocurrencies perform a value, uh, a useful role, or, or, or are we still in the kind of uh, volatility of you know froth and hype at the moment? I think. Well, there's certainly volatility uh, and froth and hype. Um, certainly still there. I do think, though, that uh, that it's probably maybe the start of an inflection point in relation to crypto generally. I, you know, I mean, I, I'm an advocate for, for, for blockchain technology. 
and you know having seen uh, over the last few years like we've seen really interesting real world examples um i think maersk and their um their shipping applications for blockchain uh you know and uh custom documentation and and actually you you, you think of that in relation to brexit uh and should blockchain be part of uh, the whole mechanism uh, uh that the uk navigate uh, trade with perhaps then in sweden we've seen things that that experiment they tried with the property register on the blockchain which seems like such a natural fit for yeah. blockchain but then if you separate out crypto where's crypto gone i mean there is no doubt i mean you i know you're very interested in crypto and over the last six months um seeing the activity of institutional uh, buyers of crypto and they have become advocates for crypto and you see trading desks um, at the big uh, merchant banks being set up and then you see investments by companies like square and tesla um and you think okay um, people are really taking crypto seriously. I do think that the NFT, um, the emergence of the NFT um, is a really interesting development. And I mean, I, I, I came across NFTs relatively recently and then only a couple of weeks later, we see that that Beeple's uh, yeah. painting sold for, was it 60 odd million? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, now I do... I, you do have to ask yourself how much of this is an economy that's powering itself. Um, but also, uh, I think that um, as cryptos are maturing and, um, you know, I, I, I think the Ethereum uh, blockchain and its relevance to the NFT um, world is a really interesting development for them. Um, I think the decentralized apps of something particularly like EOS, I think is absolutely fascinating. Um, do I think crypto is here to stay? Absolutely. Do I think there'll be volatility uh, for people investing in crypto? Absolutely. But um, will uh, will crypto serve sort of citizens of the world in a positive way? I, I also think that's true. Yeah. And like you say, uh, it, 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 there's so much volatility and, and there's so many people with large stakes in it that it's in their interest for it to be pumped up so yeah look i think it's definitely a you know caveat mTOR and you know yeah. <laughs> to 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 approach it with caution um so here in ireland um and 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 as we were chatting before you know like we're definitely maybe at the beginning of the end or something like things are still an issue with the pandemic but at the same time if we can roll out the the vaccinations then hopefully it's a different scenario so the last 15 months have have we been nudged into a more digital world and then as as the lockdown de-escalates what do you think the future will look like will it will, will it will it be a blended combination of the things that worked or will, will will people be hungry to flip back to how it was i i think that's a really interesting um question to ask um of ourselves uh, mm -hmm. as well um i think that things cannot go back to exactly how they how they were. Um, I think that the workplace has been completely or potentially completely changed for the future. Um, remote working, I think, is here to stay. Now, I don't think 
that, um, you know, companies saying that, well, actually, you, you never have to come into the office again. I think they'll change their mind about that. But I do think that remote working um, for, you know, letting people work from home for maybe two or three days a week, that will be a reality. But you think about the societal impact of that. That means, and already we've seen this in Ireland, that means people will start buying houses uh, in, in, in rural areas. Uh, it means that more rentals and houses will be for sale in urban areas gets the property market moving perhaps in a positive way and has an impact on the rental market. It means that um, urban air or, or um, rural areas and towns may begin to flourish again. Uh, um, trade improves, which is something that, you know, all of these things have a, um, can, could be impacted by that. I think for me, the biggest thing was transportation over the last 12 months. And, you know, I decided um, that, you know, I, I don't really need a car anymore. And, um, you know, that was certainly something that was on my mind. I think that we're going to see this impact on mobility. Um, you know, the um, uh, everything from the bleeper bike to the Moby bike to the, you know, the Dublin bikes and in other cities. I think we have new companies like um, uh, the scooter rentals uh, coming. I think that's going to be incredibly <clears throat> important for cities. I think, Simon, that cities have also changed uh, irrevocably and um, if you start moving large uh, groups of people out of them um, what do you do with cities and I think cities may be places where uh, that they're more focused on uh, you know on museums and on in entertainment and on living rather mm -hmm. than the focus on working um, so uh, air travel is another one that the pandemic, I think, though, so all of the digital technology has unquestionably enabled us to get through the pandemic. And I think it's expedited the progress towards uh, remote education um, and remote working. But then you look at education and you think, well, children really do work better or study better together. So we need to get them collaborating again. So they have to come back to the classrooms. But maybe, maybe things will change in that regard as well. So I do think that um, what we've done is we've perhaps, uh, we've put the world into fast forward in one sense, even though we paused it in another. Yeah, look, definitely. And, and, and like you say, I mean, um, you know, uh, we had to get a new car last summer because uh, the last one got stolen and burnt out. But, but I can see why people would assess oh do we really need a car all the time anymore mm. you know like and you know the, the the level of usage has just gone through the floor and then like you say with kids and schools um uh, there's definitely value of engaging but at the same time you know the uh the, the the model has been broken to show that kids can do some degree of their education and if mm. not kids at least adults so I, I think you're right and definitely with that uh nudge to no longer needing to be in the city center both for work and therefore when you live mm. um yeah, look, I mean, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Like we've had this overwhelming trend towards urbanization, which mm. which is OK to a point, but actually it's not because it's a bit unbalanced and everybody leaves certain areas. So, uh, I, yeah, you're right. I think it's very interesting. Um, uh, my, so my penultimate question for you is um, uh, either for people starting out or if you were starting out now, uh, what, what kind of tips would either you give yourself or to others? Uh, to, I mean, because you're, you're in an interesting place now uh, and therefore, if people are starting out now, how how, how do you how do you uh, pursue an, an interesting career? Yeah, it's really interesting to think about that. I mean, I think I mentioned this uh, to you before that one of the things that I would say I was very fortunate to work for for, for Apple for for quite a long time, 
and the FDI companies in Ireland, I think we're very lucky. Well, we're very lucky to have them here from an from an economic perspective, but we're also very lucky because they are just um, they're inspirational places to work. And if you have the opportunity to go and work for one of the FDIs, and I mean, you know, Microsoft, Google, Apple, Facebook, not just them, but also, you know, um, uh, the other um, uh, technology companies who are who have set up in Ireland. It's a great place to start. And I would say to potential entrepreneurs, you know, you people leaving college and saying, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to be a startup. You know, I, I always think, you know, if you've got one good idea, if you've got a good idea today, um, don't worry, you'll have another one later. So go and work for one of those companies if you can. Um, the other thing I was, I suppose, I would say for entrepreneurs generally, and I've worked with a, I've worked with quite a few uh, smaller companies over the last uh, few years, is you know we hear a lot about we hear a lot about finance and funding and raising money. I'm always I always feel bad when I hear about um, people raising money. <laughs> because I'm always worried for the entrepreneur about dilution. And so I mm -hmm. think giving away giving away too much of your business too soon is a problem. So how do you seed it, um, you know, with a better valuation or with friends and family or, you know, using the supports that are available from uh, from Enterprise Ireland or your local enterprise office? That's a good route, I think, as well. Um, and then the other thing that I do think, though, about in the tech business is always, always, always focus on the product. You know, I've seen so many companies with good people and um, uh, in various disciplines, be it sales or uh, finance. Uh, and then but if you don't have focus on the product and the product evolution, and it's not just about an MVP, MVP will often just raise money for you. But how do you uh, how do you disrupt a market where you are probably a small entrant? And that's product focus. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And because it's that thing. Um, uh, I was a software developer for a while and you know they, they love to dive into the complexity and the problems they've solved but if it's not working for the people you're trying to sell it to then yeah. they'll just go to someone who, who can sell them the service that they need and they don't need to understand the the complex mm. journey journey you went on so yeah um it's been a, a pleasure to talk to you how can people learn more about you and what you're up to uh and and we're willing we can include a link to the podcast as well yeah, thanks very much. Well, uh, you can. Uh, I'm on Twitter, which is where I conduct most of my conversation <laughs> uh, in the evening, and that's uh, A D O'Donoghue uh, on Twitter. And um, Future Now, Future Next is currently available on the RTE player or uh, wherever you get your podcasts, which is probably Spotify or Apple. And uh, um, it's uh, it's worth a listen. Awesome! Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, Andy. Thanks so much, Simon. Good to see you. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.